Hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas. I'm Danielle Harston, the Council Chair at Wesley. For this week's special Christmas episode, we have Wesley Director Amanda Kreis and students Jack Mergen, Kristen Burgess, Matthew Mancusi, and Katie Allen reading and discussing the story of Jesus' birth in Luke chapters 1 and 2. You'll also enjoy music from a couple members of our praise band, Carrie Beth Woods and myself. How can Luke's version of the story give us hope and strength in this season? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas, I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. 
so that you may know the, uh, the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or any other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the dis disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, who was, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. 
I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up. No, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, when then is, or what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with them. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. 
child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. In this brief intermission between Luke 1 and Luke 2, I'd like to talk a little bit about it. Luke's gospel account is always a, fav- a favorite to read at Christmas time because he goes into the most detail about the backstory. Why do you think it's significant to understand Elizabeth and Mary's experience before reading the story of the actual birth of Jesus? I think it's important to understand that, you know, these were, these were people who were essentially tasked with something from God, which is something that often scares all of us. And understanding how they felt, uh, although, you know, I would, I think, uh, you know, although mo- most of us talking have have not, you know, experienced this firsthand. Of course, you know, it's um, it's uh, important to understand that even in in biblical times, there were people that feel the same way that we do about being uh, tasked from from God. Um, building upon that, uh, I would like to think that Luke here is just showing just how these people thought these were impossible this was shouldn't have happened they Mary was a virgin and Elizabeth was in their day and age old and unable to conceive yet they both had children so it's showing the purpose is to show that it doesn't matter if we can or cannot do what is being asked asked of us. Um, we can do it through God's help if it is His will to happen. I know, I real I agree, I agree with both of you a lot. And the other thing that I think it's so important to read about. Um, the family's experience before the actual birth of Jesus is it's really easy to not think that like, oh, these are actual people who have actual like feelings and emotions. And um, just like how sometimes we can get scared when we have a calling, they were scared. They didn't know what was going to happen. Like Matthew said, this was supposed to be something that was impossible. And there's, it's not all twinkle lights and fairy tale. Um, when you're actually seeing the impossible done before you. It's scary because you've never experienced something like that. Uh, Absolutely. And I I imagine that that it's important to understand that that there's a level of sacrifice that's got to be made too. Um, For Elizabeth, I, you know, with an older body, maybe that was a more arduous task to carry a child. I don't know. Um, and for Mary to think um, this stigma of an unmarried woman who's pregnant with a baby that's not her fiance's, um, that probably, I imagine that might have never actually gone away in her lifetime, that there were probably still people all the way up until her death that would gossip or believed certain things about her because they didn't really understand what God was doing through her. And so to understand too, that they had to make sacrifices and and be true to this call, regardless of what others might have thought or understood. You know, it also shows that God picks the most unlikely of people. And even though Elizabeth was older and Mary was a virgin, he still knew, like, yes, these are the people I want. 
you know, this is the woman I want carrying my son, and this is who I want carrying John, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just, oh, I want this experienced person who I think would be absolutely perfect. No, it was the most unlikely of people, but he knew exactly what he was doing. I agree. And I just have to put a shout out there that let's, let's remember the story starts with two women and their experience and without, you know, making it about guys versus girls or whatever, because I think we need um, both masculine and feminine energy in the world, but sometimes it's feminine energy that can be overlooked or overshadowed and that the story starts with the story of two women, I think speaks something important to the nature of God. I also, um, I think it shows a really, the stark difference between Zechariah who questioned God's will and um, Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph, who all were like, okay, and accepted it with open hands. Um, and it's real, like, it's hard, but um, also that Zechariah was a priest. And that whole, sometimes it's easier to, like, feed into the um, priests are, like, holier than thou. They're supposed to be perfect. But also, they're human, and they're going to question God sometimes and they're going to blunder and make mistakes and so it's it's just always the first chapter one of Luke is always just humanizing these characters that you've grown up with in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world and everyone went to their own town to register so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he believed or because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes or cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with, an, with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, or what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all, all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, 
when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. As we finish chapter two, we have one more question to think about here. Why do you think God decided to come to be with us in the form of a child? Because a child growing up and being amongst the people as a human is more relatable to the people. And also, if he had sent an angel, biblical angels are terrifying. <laughs> they are not they are not like the pretty halo and the wings that we see in pop culture. It's there's a reason they said fear not because they're terrifying. <laughs> so it makes sense to show up as an innocent baby. Preach. <laughs> they are scared. Like I saw there was like an artist rendition of what an angel would actually look like and I was like, no wonder they were afraid. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're terrifying. But um Another reason why I think it was so important that uh, God sent Jesus as a baby is because Jesus suffered as humans suffer in even more and was still willing to sacrifice. And there's more meaning in that, uh, I think. And instead of sending like a full grown man whose purpose is to go and die and that's all, he sent him as a baby and he grew up um, and formed relationships with people and then was still willing to die for people he didn't know. Um, uh, pretty much both of you guys are how I think, but I also think he came as a baby because that is the, in better terms, the lowest anyone can be. A child, especially an infant, has no, cannot fend for itself or do anything. It requires the most um, care for, from everyone, everything. So if God were to have come down, say, Jesus has went in his prime just automatically, would the the strength of the belief been more believable than a child to have come from the God, the overall most powerful thing to this humble lowest point and now can be when he dies and is does his ministry he knows both the high power and the lowest anyone can be ever mm. and he can bring both worlds to that instead of just being i'm god in flesh that believe believe me i am i don't know what i'm doing or how he did come. Oh yeah. Matthew, I think what you've just described is, is the difference between having power with and power over. And I think a lot of us imagine power as like power over making us do things, but him coming in a, such a vulnerable and weak form show like cultivates this idea of power with, right? God wants to, to share 
the the power of God's love and God's mercy and grace and forgiveness in a way that's um, well merciful, right? And in a way that's relational, right? It's not something that He wants to force us into, but He wants us to just participate with Him. Yeah, I think Amanda, you just said pretty much what <laughs> what I was kind of thinking in my head. Um, yeah, it's like I mean, obviously, we know that you know because Jesus is the Son of God, you know, He's obviously all powerful, but he wasn't powerful in a political stance. And it was so he could build those relationships with the people at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else have any thoughts? I think it was important that he was sent as a child instead of just immediately sent down as an older adult so he could see where sin comes from. Because as a child, there's really no sin you're still learning and if you do sin you may not know it and then as an adult you can sin and you do know it so there was like a defining line maybe of where he saw when your childhood innocence becomes a full knowing experience of your sin Hmm. Yeah, I've been reading some stuff recently that sort of talks about this idea that we're born with an awareness that we belong to God. And, and you know, the doctrine of us being created in God's image supports that. And it, like the sin kind of tarnishes that image, right? And I love the way you describe that because it's sort of like Jesus has this firsthand experience of the ways that sin tarnishes that image that God created us in. This is rich. No crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the you've enjoyed our Christmas special. In the coming weeks, we'd like to invite you to meditate on the story of Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Jesus, and John. As our panelists pointed out, this is a story of the impossible. It's no secret that this Christmas is a strange one. In what ways can you see God giving new life to something in you this season?